go, yeah. Um, I, I didn't get to be here yesterday for the 50th year uh, celebration, but um, I got to listen to everything and watch a little of it. And uh, I just, uh, I kind of wanted to say congratulations to and I love you, and I know the kids do. But uh, the verse that came to mind, and I'm not going to have the kids say it this morning, was, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. But, and I thought about that, but I thought, man, you're not done. And when Larry was preaching, he said, you know, I hope he gives you 50 more years. And I think that's the sentiment from the whole church. And uh, uh, the most important thing, though, is somebody getting saved. And uh, I was talking with folks yesterday at the fair, and we, we said, uh, we was talking about Little Bitty Soldier. And, and it would have been fitting, because you guys are definitely soldiers. But... Um, Bo said, can we sing Sunset? And I thought, wow, and myself, I thought, that don't sound right. But this song calls your life a day. And I know this is the most important thing to Terry and Linda. You've got a small season to get everything ready to get to heaven. And so we'll we'll sing this song. It's, it's, uh, I think, the greatest probably compliment you could give Terry and Linda is, they don't want stuff to be about them anyway. They want it to be about the Lord. So we'll, we'll sing this. But we still...
I'd like to welcome everybody this morning. We appreciate being in the Lord's house again. Appreciate our children singing this morning and everything Brother Barry had to say. Uh, we appreciate uh, that first song, uh, that sunset. I'm, I'm glad my preparations are made and I know where I'm going. And uh, you know, I, I hope the Lord lets me stay here a while. But uh, you know, my my destiny, my eternity's set. I know where I'm going. And I hope I can stay here and help some other people get that assurance and know that they know where they're going. Uh, if you have that opportunity to make that decision today, I pray you take it. But let's remember uh, you know, the service today and our Sunday school teachers and just everybody purpose in their hearts to do everything we need to do this morning. I'm asking Brother Taylor to dismiss Sunday school. We desire your prayers. This lesson kind of, <clears throat> when I first read it, uh, one word jumped out at me, and that word was resurrection. And I've tried, and I've prayed, and I've read, and I've pondered on it and uh, that one word just keeps coming back over and over and over is resurrection uh, yesterday I woke up and was getting ready to come over here for the service and I told Cindy I said I just feel content I said the Bible tells us to be content in whatever the world gives us and whatever the Lord gives us we should be content and uh I just feel content. I've got everything I need. God saved my soul when I was 11 years old. And ever since then, I've got everything I need. Uh, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what happens in this life, 
I know there's a resurrection coming, and I'm going home. And that's all I need. Uh, other than that, that my only desire other than that is to be a light to somebody along the way. Until that time comes, I want to do what I can to help somebody else have that same contentment that I've got. Uh, <clears throat> we'll go ahead and read some of this uh, lessons in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, verses 20 to 28 it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Uh, there was, I looked up the definition of firstfruits, and the definition immediately that of course jumps out at you is the first yield of the harvest and uh, back in the back in the Old Testament uh, they were to sacrifice the first fruits the first yield of the harvest they were supposed to take it and sacrifice it well Jesus was the first fruits of, of the harvest when it come to the resurrection and he was the first fruits that was sacrificed for the resurrection he was the first one that got up out of the grave. Um, and there was another place uh, where it said that when he did get up, there was many graves that were opened and many of the saints that slept got up and went into town and was seen by many. Uh, I don't understand all that. <clears throat> but I guess in my mind, I would have to believe that any of the dead in Christ before Jesus got up, got up with him and went home with him. Uh, but there was another, there was another definition down at the bottom of the page when I looked that up under first fruits. <clears throat> and it said a payment to a superior by the new holder of an office. Jesus was the payment, I guess if you want to look at it that way, he was the payment and to the, to the superior would have been to God uh, for me to be able to hold the office that I have as a child of God. Uh, and then there was a, a, there was a verse I looked up uh, because of this lesson, uh, to me, it seemed like it spoke in a in an odd tense, and it wasn't. It doesn't really seem like he's speaking in a past tense, and it doesn't really seem like he's speaking about a future thing to happen. It seems like he's kind of going back and forth a little bit in this over this lesson. When I looked up Matthew seventeen eleven. Let me just see if I got that marked. Uh, sure, I can find it real quick. Matthew seventeen eleven. Uh, 
Jesus was speaking, and it says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. Now, that sounds like he's talking about it's something that's going to happen down the road. But the very next verse says, But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not. Uh, there's a lot of places I've, I've found over the years of being confused in my own mind because I've let stuff like that bother me. There's a lot of places in the Bible where it talks, it almost sounds like he's talking about something that's, that's coming down the road. Um, and we've got, by this lesson, we've got a lot of people in the world that are looking for things to happen uh, before the resurrection can come. There's a lot of people looking for signs of the end of days, they call it, uh, before Jesus can come back. And uh, there was a one place where Jesus told them, Now fools, look it for a sign, and there's no sign to come. He said, No man knows the end of the days except the Father. Not even the angels in heaven know when it's going to be time. Uh, I read something while I was studying this lesson. One fellow said when Jesus was here and said that, he didn't know what day it was going to be or when the return was going to be. But then when he went to heaven, he learned how, he, he, he knows now when he's going to come back. I, it's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that no man knoweth the end. But uh, <clears throat> verse 2 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Uh, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Uh, we had Adam to thank for sin. Uh, and I was talking to somebody the other day. And I said, I don't think it's quite fair to blame Adam for all of our sin. Adam was just the first one that did it. Any one of us would have been the first one, we'd have done the same thing. Uh, not one of us is perfect, and Adam fit right in that bill. He wasn't perfect. He was a man. Uh, and before Adam was made, I'll just say this. Before the world was made and before Adam was formed out of the clay... God knew that there would be a need of a Savior, and Jesus said, I'll go. Uh, so Adam's sin in the garden was foreseen before, the, before the, the earth was ever formed, and Jesus said, I'll go, I'll help him. I'll take care of that. So by Adam, every man was sentenced to die. By Christ coming and dying for us, that gave us all the right to live. Uh, it says, but every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Uh, I was reading something yesterday or the day before. A uh, guy said, was talking about the resurrection, and, and I agree with him. He said, uh, there won't be any specific pecking order, I guess you want to call it that, uh, 
Paul's not going to get up out of his grave before I do. Because in heaven there won't be any great or small. Uh, Paul was probably one of the greatest men of God that, that I know of. And I'm probably the least. But me and him will get up at the same time and go home together. Because that's the way God designed it. Uh, Jesus got up first. And the rest of us are all the same. Going home together. Uh, let me see. I got, I got some things I want to read about this. Romans in Romans uh, 6 9 it says I'll go back to verse 8 it says now if we be dead with Christ we believe we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more death hath no more dominion over him and the reason I wanted to read that one is because there's a verse here I'm going to skip down to it in 26, in the lesson, it says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Back here in Romans, it said, Death hath no more dominion over him. So there's another one of them verses that over here in Corinthians, it sounds like he's talking about somewhere down the road, death will be destroyed. But back here in Romans, it says, Death is already destroyed. When Jesus got up out of the grave, he defeated death and the grave. And, and that was all done. Uh, and I'll say again, there's people looking for signs of something that needs to be done before Christ can come back and get us. And the only thing that needed to be done was Christ crucified and risen. Once he got up out of that grave, the story was written. Uh, and my name's in the book. I wasn't even close to being born when Jesus got up out of that grave. But when he got up out of that grave, I was in the book. And the story's over and the book's closed. But anyways, verse 24 says, Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he, he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. He's already put down everything that the devil's throwed at us. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a hard thing to look at the world nowadays and say that God defeated sin. Uh, but we've allowed sin, and by we I just mean humanity, have allowed sin to, to just take over. Um, the Bible says woe unto them that call good uh, evil good and good evil and that, that's pretty much where we've come to in this world now everything that uh, even, even just 45, 50 years ago when I was a little boy the things that they do now right out in public and be proud of was stuff people hid you, you'd be ashamed if you even thought them thoughts back then. And now they stand out there and they wave their flag and say, I'm proud I'm like this. I, d I don't understand. But the Bible says, woe unto them. Uh, and then they call us 
judgmental because we tell them they're wrong. Well, my Bible says I'm supposed to tell them they're wrong and, and tell them what God said. Uh, I talked to a, a girl that, that I used to work with one time and I quoted the scripture to her that it's an abomination unto God for a man to lay with a man. I said, no, that's not me being judgmental. That's me telling you what the book says. I said, I'm not, I'm not judging you or anybody else. I can, all I can do is just tell you what the book says and tell you I love you. I'd love to see you get that fixed. Uh, they think we're judgmental because we read the book and tell them what it says. And they don't want to know what it says. They want to blot out those pages, and, and, and they do. They write a new version every couple of years and say, well, we took this part out because that's not agreeable to this people. and We put this extra part in here because I, I, I read an article on a news feed on my computer the other day that said scientists have found a long-lost uh, chapter of the Bible. I don't. I don't read anything in here where God ever lost anything. I've heard people say, I've heard people say that, well, you can't trust the King James Version because it's not Hebrew. You got to read, you got to be able to read Hebrew because that, the translation got all messed up when King James did that. I don't read in here where God ever messed anything up. And if he commissioned King James's writers to, to translate this, I told a guy one time, I said, I said, do you really believe God created everything on this planet? He said, well, yeah, it says so in the Bible. I said, well, if God was able to create everything we look at, do you think he could have somebody translate this Bible into a different language and have it say exactly what he wants it to say? He could have wrote it himself. He, he could have wrote this book and left it laying on King James's table so when he woke up, there it was already translated. There's nothing in this Bible that God didn't want in this Bible. And there's nothing missing that God wanted added in here. Uh, so people just, they want to make up the rules as they go along and leave God out of it. But there's coming a time, and this, this lesson is, it's, it's just been real special to me. <clears throat> it says, uh, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And we've already went over that. Death's already been defeated. Uh, now, if I go back up here. If I go back up here to verse 24, uh, I want to put this in a, in a little different perspective. If you, if you read through there and you just look at it for, for the face value, and it looks like it's talking about the entire universe, that there's coming an end, and there is. And... He's going to deliver up the kingdom and he'll have put down all authority and rule and, and he'll reign till he's put all the enemies under his feet and the last enemy is death. Now if you go back up to the beginning of verse 24 and 
<clears throat> make this a personal letter to me. Then come at the end. There's coming an end to this flesh. There's coming a day this old guy's going to lay down and be put in a box. It says, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, there won't be any more sin. There won't be any more of this guy messing up. Uh, it says, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. He's reigning in my heart. But I still mess up. There, the devil still runs up and down in this dirt, in this clay. Uh, when my end comes, he will have put the last of that to rest. Uh, and there's going to come a time... A lot of people have a problem with it, and I don't understand it completely. But there's going to come a time when this body is going to get up. God's going to lift this body up out of the grave, and it's going to be changed to be like him. And there won't be any more corruption in it. And that's when the last enemy will be put to rest. When Jesus comes back with a shout, and, and it's all done. Verse 27 says, For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Uh, we've got... We've got, uh, I don't know how to say it. We've got people that, that believe in the Holy Trinity, but somehow they don't believe that they're all one. Uh, I read something about them last two verses. I was Googling things and trying to, trying to get some answers. And what I got was the wrong answer. Uh, there was a guy on, on one of them websites on Google that, that uh, kind of translated this, this little bit of last two verses here. Uh, his, his opinion was it kind of made it look like uh, that, that the son was not the father and that he would subject himself as a servant of the father um, and that would all happen at the end of times I think the son subjected himself as a servant of the father when he said I'll go uh, they've been of one mind and one accord from the beginning of the book um, there's been no difference but that makes these kind of verses hard to understand sometimes. But uh, I'm not sure what I had that marked for, but uh, there was something I wanted to read here. 
I can find it real quick. Acts 17.31 It said, uh, I'll go back to 30. And it said, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. That's Jesus. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. God appointed a day from the beginning that he would come back and get his people by the blood of Jesus. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. We've got a lot of mocking going on in the world today. Uh, it's, it's terrible. It breaks my heart. But uh, we've got people that just refuse to believe in God. I heard, a, I heard a man say one time that his mother had died of some kind of disease and that she had spent two or three years just in agony, just suffering. And, and he said, I refuse to believe in a God that would allow somebody like her to just lay there and suffer all that time. I've heard other people say, I don't believe there's a God. If there was a God, why would he send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody anywhere, and he doesn't create the suffering. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's a reason for everything God does, and the Bible tells us that all things work to the good for those that love God. I know I didn't quote that exactly right, but that said all things. It didn't say all good things. Uh, looking back on my life, when I've been trying to do good, uh, there's been times where I've had not horrible things, but you know, some tr stumbles along the way and some, some bad things happen. And people look at you and say, well, if you're trying to live for God, why does he let stuff like that happen? Well, maybe so I can continue to live for God and they can see through my attitude toward those bad things that God's greater than those bad things. Uh, we've all heard multiple uh, accounts of people on their deathbed praising God for being so good to them. Uh, I wasn't in the room, but I was told that when my grandpa died, the last thing he did was smiled real big and pointed toward heaven. Uh, and I believe that. Because he knew what was on the other side. He knew what was waiting on him. Uh, I hope I can be that brave when my time comes. Uh, but there's, there's, a, uh, there's things that happen. And I think, I think myself that when bad things happen, to God's people that sometimes that's the only time 
that a sinner around us will take notice. Uh, I know there's people in my life that probably are so used to seeing me, they didn't know me before I got in church and got working for God and living for God. <clears throat> so this guy they're looking at is the only me they've ever known. So for me to walk and, and talk like I do uh, probably doesn't mean a whole lot to them. But when something bad happens and it doesn't knock me off track with the Lord, they, they notice that. Uh, I got a guy at work that just aggravates me all the time about being a Christian. He'll do, I mean, he'll, he'll say everything he can to, to get me riled up, just to aggravate me, just to, he, I know he's just trying to get me to mess up. He's trying to get me to argue with him or call him something I shouldn't say, or <clears throat> I know that's what he's doing because he just don't like the fact that I don't respond to him. But I have to go in and ask God to help me with him every day. Yeah. And one day I went in there and, and he started in. I mean, I wasn't there five minutes and he started in. God said, invite him to church. So when he started in, I said, hey, buddy, you ought to come over to church with me Sunday. Come over to, come over to Lima and go to church with me. He just shook his head and turned around and walked away real quick. He didn't want none of that. I, I hope one of these days I can get him to come to church with me. Because uh, I know he needs it. But uh, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to read, but I don't know if I can find it. Oh, yeah, this one here is in Luke. 14th chapter uh, this was one of the first verses I looked up after I started reading this lesson uh, because to get to the end of the, to get to the end of the world and, and Jesus to come back and get his people and the, the great resurrection that that's going to be there had to be a starting place and that was my first thought was back in the beginning when Jesus said, I'll go. That's where it all started, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and then I looked, started studying some things, and I come across this verse almost immediately. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying the man began to build and was not able to finish. God knew from the beginning that he had enough and he had what it took to finish. And I don't have to worry about the finish because he's already got that planned out. Uh, I'm just thankful that I'm on the right side of the finish. That's all I got. If anybody's got anything, I guess I should have asked already.
she said, you said a clover leaf. But look here, it's got three parts to it, but it is a clover leaf. And that is, I mean, I, just, I thank God for <laughs> teaching that, and that has always saved me. And when I think of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I always think of the clover leaf. That's good. Anybody else got anything? I just get up here and get so nervous I start talking and just don't think to stop and ask if anybody's got anything. Well, we'll hopefully can move on into the rest of the service. Thank you for your prayers.